0: Welcome, everyone, as Fantastic Geek dives into the Star Wars films. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello there, Pete.
1: Hello there, Matt. Hello, everyone. Here today with Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones.
0: As we mentioned uh, in the prior podcast released earlier this week, uh, our episode one discussion recorded January 2020 uh, and ex- uh, re- released to Patreon with the 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 express uh, idea that it would be released at some point on the Pop Culture Podcast feed. Pete, I don't think we were planning quite the break between films as we did, but uh, s- some weird things happened in
1: 2022, etc. Uh, and continue to happen. My, how the world changes um but glad to resume this and certainly ready to talk about uh my least favorite Star Wars film so if anything else you're going to get a very different Pete in this podcast
0: um it's certainly it, it's going to be an interesting journey going through these films and to to reflect back on this film you know we had said in the phantom menace podcast uh, though recorded all those years ago just how i think there was this experience of people appreciating the phantom menace more on release than they did over time um and i think that heading into attack of the clones there was just this people were still rather high on the phantom menace thing and i think there was also to whatever degree that there was hope like okay, I didn't like Jar Jar. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. But there's two more movies to come. There's all this anticipation of the unformed best Star Wars movie ever, maybe Attack of the Clones. I think that's how people were feeling in 2002 as they sat in theaters as the lights darkened, as the 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 20th Century Fox uh, music played, and so forth.
1: There was this continued sense of optimism you were one third of the way in you know my mind world coming out of the cinema after the multiple uh visits i made to watch uh episode one of of what would happen you know would anakin go back and free the slaves as he talked about and instead maybe we get the worst type of over correction to the criticism of episode one uh we have less uh jar jar yet more ominous we have boba fett clones um I was uh, able to get my hands on this DVD prior to the street date by a couple days, thanks to my police officer brother. Can I give it back?
0: <laughs> Part of what I find interesting is how, um, is how the prequel trilogy, but maybe less so Phantom Menace, how it's being written Film to film. Now, I know that's how the original trilogy was done, of course. George Lucas had ideas that were in and out and so forth. Puts his movie, you know, puts the the original movie out there. Um, Famously has this bet with Steven Spielberg that uh, Close Encounters is going to do better. And then suddenly, suddenly finds out, you know, lines are on the block and people, you know, you walk out of one screening. You get in line for the next, that sort of thing. Just the massive hit that that was. So, of course, Empire gets written on its own and then return of the Jedi and so forth. But a, there wasn't like the fan internet culture, of course, in the seventies and eighties. And B, I don't think people, people walked out of a new hope, not necessarily knowing what a star Wars was um, versus all these years later, where just this idea that Lucas held off on writing attack of the clones. um, Three months before the start of filming, he had his rough draft, finished then brought in writer jonathan hales whose high water mark at that point was uh episodes of the young indiana jones chronicles to kind of make his way through this that's a really again maybe maybe that's how empire was made maybe that's how return of the jedi was made maybe that's how a lot of movies are made but it's scary to think that you know the fifth star wars movie in production order episode two attack of the clones that kind of they weren't ready to go necessarily, but they had a go date and had to meet that date.
1: And then the opening crawl, Matt. Uh oh, unrest in the Galactic Senate. Did they learn nothing?
0: What's so weird rewatching these movies and through the lens of the the, the crawl there? George Lucas was not trying to be prophetic with the, the the kind of backbone story of the uh prequel trilogy with governmental unrest the rise of the emperor setting factions against each other he was not trying to be prophetic in fact if anything he was saying these are themes throughout history these are th- themes throughout democracy and countries and so forth but that quote-unquote or maybe not quote-unquote boring element seems to only get I'll say better, but seems to only get more important over time. The notion of these machinations at the highest levels behind the scenes, the notion of the notion of this separatist movement. um, It's more prescient now than ever in a, in a weird way.
1: So with further information, like a limited number of Jedi Knights and this all capitals, army of the Republic, they're deliberating, creating we get this fog shrouded approach and uh not uh panaka uh maori captain here once they land oh there was no danger at all kaboom
0: big sizzle opening i mean it's beautiful to look at even today Uh, it is amazing how many of the effects from this movie 20 years old pete Uh, Many of the effects stand up just fine. Um, I will say from day one, from May 16th, 2002, when I saw this in theaters, it clearly was like, hey, that lady pilot is Natalie Portman. Hey, she's not taking her helmet off because we're going to have a reveal that's Natalie Portman. Hey, there's kind of the queen who used doubles in the last movie coming down the, uh, the gangway there. Oh, no, it exploded. Who could the female pilot be? Oh, look, it's actually... Uh, Amidala uh, Padme Amidala um, so again this weird interplay of like the visuals are great on the page it sounds like a really fantastic way to jump start the story but our director has not necessarily shot it in a way that's really like oh man they killed Natalie Portman oh wait who's the... oh, oh you did the switcheroo like we're all just there with it the entire time on the first view
1: Senator Amidala that somehow finds a way to even act worse in this second film, you'd think no longer being queen would help.
0: (laughs) I think, again, that needs to come back to the feet of director George Lucas. Yes, we in 2022 can say, you know, Natalie Portman has had all of these roles since then she's 41 now wins an oscar i believe early to mid 30s and so forth i think you could say all right when they're filming this she's probably about 19 20 years old perhaps a less able actress but i think of the scene if i could fast forward ever so slightly in our in our timeline here the scene where she goes to the um to to the uh the chancellor's main office there and she's talking to yoda You can just tell it's Natalie Portman looking at a, at a placeholder, whether it's a tennis ball or a Yoda statue. Like what we know now in terms of, you know, have Sean Gunn on set to be a rocket, have Andy Serkis there to be a golem, have someone who can give you you know, a full performance, not for the camera, but for the other actor, so that Natalie Portman at any age can be looking at someone and be like, that's my Yoda. We're sharing a scene. I'm an actor that shares scenes with people. Instead. It's just kind of like, I don't remember the exact dialogue. It's like, do you really think there could be such a threat? Master Yoda? Like it's wooden. And again, I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily blaming her because I'm sure George was like, just look at the thing and say the words, um, as, as is his way. And unfortunately she's the, I think she's the beneficiary of all of that, or, or or rather the, the receiver of all that.
1: And we have this immediate underselling, uh, tone issue. Um, there's a meeting in the second scene, Matt, episode one, too many meetings, episode two. More meetings. Um, even though I talked about the overcorrection before. Yeah, there's some cool new Jedi. We've got Kit Visto with the tentacles there. We've got uh, Luminara Unduli. we've got her Padawan, Baris Ofi there. The Supreme Chancellor has his red Imperial Guards already. So, you know, we're we're hitting some some new highlights and some greatest hits and they're talking about disgruntled spice miners on the moons of Naboo and Jimmy Smits is there. And even Rose Byrne as a handmaiden. And it's a, it's amazing. You can reach back into this film um, and episode three as well and see the number of people that have since popped up in other things. Um, but Padme's wearing a hair hat.
0: <laughs> um. Obviously the, result of that scene uh let's have uh, an old friend master kenobi be your be your guard we will learn in subsequent scenes of course palpatine wants less kenobi there but uh anakin as well then you get the reveal of uh kenobi and the hayden christensen uh anakin skywalker pete i know i know the playbook says let me immediately attack Hayden Christensen's acting here, but I would like to point out um, in this elevator scene, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi's Ewan McGregor's beard is not fully mm-hmm. in yet, and it's like again, it's
1: reshoot beard.
0: I-, I did not know it was a reshoot. I guess I had assumed it was beginning of shoot. Regardless, like there are ways to deal with this, like we're going to hold off reshoots. I don't know what the schedule was. We're going to hold off reshoots another you know, six weeks till that beard comes in more. Or, I don't know, let's get some makeup artist to fill that out or mascara it or whatever it is. Um, so I guess, Pete, I'm arguing that the beard is worse than Hayden Christensen's acting in this it's, scene.
1: It It is distracting in a way that it takes away from that. I mean, um, to use the attack at the beginning as a way of getting... Padme and Anakin together. I think, again, you referenced on the page, smart. You introduce Anakin here in a scene that was, you know, conceived after the original script. Let's reshoot this, uh, you know, or shoot it. And you know, you and McGregor is wearing this false beard. That yeah, it just attracts the wrong type of attention. Yes, it takes away a little bit from a, you know, early performance of a guy now that's been around Hollywood for 20 plus years. But um, you look at the middle of scenes where that dumb beard pops up. And this is another thing that takes me out of this film that takes me out of Star Wars.
0: I have to wonder, too, like reshoots or shooting new scene a a reshoot on the schedule certainly nowadays is completely understood as part of a big production where pieces are in motion and improvements are being made all the time um i think it's a fairly newer practice to be like hey actor pete when you sign on our shoot will be whatever, June to, uh, June to November. But you're also contracted for reshoots in the following January and February. Like it's just all understood that way, perhaps 20 years ago. That was less. So I don't know, but I guess this is all a long way to say, like, it's a product. It's a pre-production solution to all of this to be like, Hey, Ewan, don't forget reshoots are going to be January mm-hmm. and February of next year. So you need the beard to be then. And When you sign on the dotted line, that means that your beard takes precedence for then, even if you're doing another role that shoots before the reshoot. Like, whatever it is, This is there's a pre-planning thing here. I'll also say, with this scene being the introduction of Hayden Christensen's Anakin Skywalker, it's, again, it's low-hanging fruit. It's fair-hanging fruit to say his performance is not great. I think when you watch with a little nuance, you can see why George Lucas cast him, Anakin as... The kind of bristling slightly at the big brother, uh, Master Kenobi, that's all there right under the surface. It's really good. Anakin, as he has the potential for some sadism, for some darkness, and all of that, that's readily available as a tool in Hayden Christensen's toolbox. Again, it's so like I feel like he has a lot of great tools there. I think I understand why he was cast above other people it's just in the execution. And again, is it his performance or is it how he's being directed?
1: There were all sorts of rumors was DiCaprio up for it coming off Titanic. Um, I think Ryan Filipe may have been looked at as well. Um, again, I I don't know script to performer, you know, you have somebody like Portman stumble through, these prequels and show you what she's capable of in other films tends to make me think it could be the script um and in this elevator scene if attachment is forbidden by jedis you know jedis that have padawans sworn to them an attachment um and anakin is already sweating Wouldn't Obi-Wan be like, all right, uh, I'm not going to have you be around me protecting this senator because there's clearly a commitment and you're not going to see the big picture.
0: Pete, why are you being so mean about supposed logical inconsistencies when sometimes story must just flourish? Let's fast forward to the next scene in which we can ultimately say not maybe not within the world of the scene but through the through the understanding of subsequent scenes in which bounty hunter 2 sends bugs in to kill her because Bount, Zam wessel was hired by bounty so hunter was uh Zam what was hired by Django Fett when at any point any of these people just could have been like there's her apartment rocket launcher the end job done we, <laughs> we don't need to be overly worried about logic right
1: I immediately after the young Padawan learner's near immediate contradiction of his master and then challenging him and way too needy Anakin, who's thought about Padme for every every day for 10 years. But what about mom? Uh, But Matt, the kids, you know, the ones in their 20s and 30s when this movie comes out, they love the bounty hunters.
0: (laughs) What does Again, watching this movie in with fresh eyes, the whole giant, you know, millipede bug thing, you know, they're crawling around, that's good, good tension going after the I don't know whether you want to say it's a droid or a small little ship, the the, the little mechanical thing that had dropped them in the in the room, yes. Anakin diving after that, the whole chase of the bounty hunter is a I was rewatching it yesterday saying this is a movie moment. Like, that's not to say that there aren't more elements of that in this film. But, like, this is a widescreen sound system. Like, you know, I, I have a nice TV. I have some good speakers and so forth. I was watching it going, this needs to be one of those things that's on a 40-foot screen. Because there's there's great detail. There's great effects. The music. The pacing. Everything is wonderful about this Chase set piece here. And I'll add to it, Pete, we get some good characterization, too, with, like, Anakin has dove on into things, and Obi Wan has to save him. And then, chastise, chastise. You, you lost her. Bad, bad, bad. I'm sorry, Master. Whoop jumps out of the thing. Like it's, it's characterization. There's tension. There's music. There's effects. The whole chase is great.
1: Uh, let me pour some cold water on that. There. Uh, so Padme covers the camera because Anakin's watching, right? But yeah. he can sense everything in that room. That's not at all, you know, creepy. Um, let's talk about mom dreams, right? And and uh, rather than the dreams he's having of Padme. Again, Obi-Wan is a lousy supervisor <laughs> in this situation. Th- these are like major red flags that... All right, hey, we're going to stop this mission right now. I'm going to take you to Yoda because you're going to fall to the dark side and kill me. Um, Yeah, the the drone assassin bugs, okay, that's a neat wrinkle, the the glass cutting with the laser there. And then, you know, Obi-Wan dives out and he's suddenly hanging on to the drone with one-handed lame physics and what for me with the space cars was ultimately a disappointing sequence with the exception of the really cool Ben Burtt Nerf football sound to Zam Wazell's speeder.
0: Uh, Again, I will disagree. I was even back then and even now, the yellow speeder that our heroes are in. I've always wondered, and I don't think this is addressed on the DVD or behind the scenes stuff and whatnot but i always was like i think that's meant to be a star wars version of the yellow uh hot rod from um uh not thx what's the uh uh what's the george lucas car 50s movie american graffiti so just feeling like oh it's everything that's old is new again um i i just i love this I love everything about this chase sequence. Maybe the one thing... You like when
1: they get electrocuted? That was good!
0: I mean, I think... For what it is... I mean, for what it is... I do like it. I mean, is it kind of goofy? It's as goofy as... You know, Luke... Ostensibly, what? Age 17, 18 in A New Hope. Playing with his little... Shuttle toy. You know, like... To me, it's part of the the Yeah, I'll well, leave it this way. I know we are recording this in the shadow of having watched and podcasted andor the serious adult Star Wars. Is that moment an Andor moment? No. Is it in line with, you know, yeehaw, let's blow this thing and go home? Like I, I think it's in the, the spirit of that. The only thing that maybe hasn't aged great is the are, are the digital effects for when bounty hunter who's also a shapeshifter her death when she goes back into alien form the effects don't look great it also doesn't look great when there's the slight reveal where she she looks back but i remember like i remember seeing that in the theater going did you just see that did i just see that so again to know it's coming and to be able to stop on my disney plus you know 4k edition Pause and go. Okay, that doesn't look great. Versus, you're sitting there at the theater and going, "Wait, what just happened?" I'll I'll live it in the then, not the now.
1: I think the changeling is cool. I just think there's so much over CGI diving and jumping that goes on in this sequence that I was really looking forward to. You know, Blade Runner esque in the city. They hadn't had a big action sequence in the in the first film on Coruscant. And I I think it falls short um, to wind up with this preachy Obi-Wan at uh, Coruscant's Dave and Buster's with uh, George Lucas's daughter, Ahmad Best and Anthony Daniels cameos.
0: I don't I think it's this scene. I don't know if it's this scene, but I read I think it was on the Wikipedia. I read that um there was a brief at, at George Lucas's daughter's request, there was a brief in sync cameo that ended up getting cut except for a couple of frames. I um, think
1: they're Jedi in um the Geonosis uh, uh Coliseum.
0: Okay. I think
1: their, their background there, but yeah, like, listen, you know, dad is directing these, uh, you know, super anticipated tentpole prequels. Like you, you, you can do that. You can do that for me. Like the, the lousy CGI is unacceptable. Not like who pops up in the background of these films.
0: So in this bar scene, again, I will largely defend it. Fine, there's...
1: You just want to buy some death
0: sticks. Look, it, <laughs> I think that's a scene that is worse. That's a moment that is worse as a gif than it is within the movie. Um, I was not bothered by it in the rewatch. Yes, it's kind of silly and over the top. If you want to make a story argument like, hey, we need to remind the audience the power you know, of some Jedi powers... Um so be it. Also, I think this is the scene is clearly meant to hit two beats from the Cantina scene, um, or two beats from the most eisley portion of the first film, in that, you know, you don't need to see their identification, you don't need to buy, you know, you, you can go home and rethink your life. Uh and Are then... you
1: saying it's like poetry? It rhymes when you arm chop off somebody in a watering hole. And then just say, go back to your drinks. It's Jedi business.
0: Look, it's not a perfect scene. I would say, though, in that in that Anakin delivery that you just mimicked there, either it's poorly written or it's Anakin. It's showing Anakin kind of his like, I got a badge. I'm a cool junior cop. Uh, I love being a cop. Move away. Like, I think there's some characterization there where you go, I did not love that moment out of Anakin. Oh, right. It's because he's like, you know, look, I, I love my space gun, my lightsaber. I'm really special because I get to have one. Again, I think there's a there's a weird sub... There, there are many weird subtexts in this film that I think have have caught up with our modern world. But back in 2002, it was probably more lame.
1: So we wind up at the Jedi Temple here. We have new council members, no Yaddle, uh, now with uh, Tales of the Jedi. That's, you know, 20 years later, all been meted out. Um, But that Palpatine is sowing mistrust amongst the Jedi, that this is all, you know, part of the plan amongst. The best of what goes on in these prequels, the long game that uh, Ian um, uh, you know, palpatine plays. Uh, you've got Yoda in the in the floating chairs, okay. Uh, but Anakin grousing to obi-wan, and then, you know,, oh, I'm ready for the trials, which we've never even seen save for the two-dimensional cartoon, um just feels incongruous within the larger piece.
0: You had mentioned before the meetings. I mean, the council chamber scene is a meeting, the um, Obi-Wan and Yoda and um Mace Windu conversation. Yes, they're doing a walk and talk, but that's also kind of another meeting, I suppose, uh I think the next scene is then Anakin going to see Palpatine which I guess is another meeting. Um I don't know. I don't particularly mind it. It it was weird watching this movie saying I don't need to rewatch every scene beginning to end with my feathered quill in hand as I make notes for every little last thing because Pete I have this movie. I've I've probably seen I've definitely seen Attack of the Clones more than the other two films by virtue of when it came out on blu-ray and so on and so forth maybe i've seen it more than maybe any other star wars movie i don't know that's kind of difficult for me to say but that might be true um so i don't know but pete take us take us to uh the next scene take us to the the Can we just go straight to Kamino or do we need to do some, do we need to do some, some dart diner in first?
1: We need to do that. But the Anakin Padme, please don't look at me like that. You know, you, you, you just never really feel it. And and I get the age difference. Um, You've aged them up 10 years. So obviously you can make it, believable and that there is that much of a differential between the two of them. Um, but again, lines like that just crush any potential in those scenes. Um, you know, and, and like you said, with the context now of the entitlement of an Anakin after what happened in the bar and now he's leering essentially at Padme to the point where she has to come out and say that. Um, But yeah, Hey, uh, the galaxy's worst supervisor has gone off to Dexter Jetster's space diner for some Jawa juice.
0: Uh, Pete, I know I'm supposed to roll my eyes in a negative way at the droid who says Jawa juice. And the fact that it's a diner, I don't know that that scene never bothered me. It's a, I mean, there's a little, there's a, there's a little silliness to it, but Pete, here's where I'll stand up and say, can't Star Wars occasionally be a little silly? Um, the, it
1: can. I just think the silliness doesn't hit. Maybe it is a product of the Star Wars you grow up with is acceptable and the, the Star Wars that comes later when you've become, cynical or mature or more discerning whatever you want to apply you you poke holes in although i i love me the sequels in a way that i don't love the prequels um the jedi archives stuff you've got the count dooku bust there we're starting to lay track for him um and but that that arrogance of the jedi to have uh the knew the jedi librarian, say well if it doesn't appear in our records it doesn't exist um this as the the lucas son jet shows up in the first uh appearance of his character um before uh the characters killed off in uh revenge of the sith um you've got Yoda and the younglings and the missing planet subplot, um, which is cute. And Frank Oz elevates everything he's around. Um, You know, the the better things in this movie are because of him. Um, But the belief before the film came out uh, was that Obi-Wan was gonna investigate with a different Jedi, with Plo Koon, um, you know the alien with the face mask that uh, Dave is such a big fan of, and um, you know all sorts of indications that they were going to go on this investigation, and that Plo Koon with Obi Wan in the course of it on Kamino was going to be murdered, and really set up a, a better version, I think of the attempt at the hard boiled detective story instead of the one that we get.
0: Well, a couple of thoughts first is, you know, it's been, it's been observed by others before me that maybe though, though these three films, I guess were conceived to be the Anakin Skywalker arc. It really is there's another version of this, differently written, differently edited, where it's a Kenobi arc, and the tragedy is he loses his his student, his best friend, his little brother, and all of that. Um, but I mean, this is the, the this is the story we got. Uh, speaking of the librarian uh, and her scenes, or rather, speaking of a scene that is deleted, uh, I was really interested. Again, maybe this was a deleted scene on the on the DVD back in the day, but Disney Plus has a, a scene where she and Anna, uh, pardon me, she and Obi Wan are looking at the the Count Dooku bust, and it's you know it's a fifty second deleted scene. The effects are not completed and so forth. But I know why they deleted it because it's very talky in terms of like, well, you see, he left. I don't remember the specifics. Like he left the Jedi Order nine or ten years ago. I think it's a little too like fingerprinty, like, but wait, we're about to learn how nine Mm -hmm. or 10 years ago, the clones were ordered. Like it's a little too heavy handed, but um, I don't know. It was an interesting scene to give the Dooku character more, but then as I'm watching and I'm saying it's giving us too much because nine or 10 years ago, and then probably eight minutes later, somebody is saying the order was placed 10 years ago. Like it's just, it deflates the mystery a bit. Um, but I guess Pete before too long, we're off to that missing planet. We're off to that place where the order was placed, uh, 10 years ago. We're off to Camino.
1: So we'll talk about Camino in a second. I, I got to bring up the return to Naboo here for Padme. We've got the new queen. Um, even though we learn that, um, Padme had served two terms as queen. She was uh, the youngest ever elected. This new one, not the youngest ever elected, though she's young, okay? And uh, C.O. Bibble, the advisor character from the first one, you know, is telling us, giving us exposition, then now here, unthinkable and outrageous, all that. And then uh, Padme with her protector here. Oh no, no, Anakin here. Nah, he's not a Jedi yet. Um, he's just a Padawan learner.
0: Which, again, speaking of logical inconsistencies, fine. They are traveling it, traveling back to Naboo incognito and so forth. But, and look, we and the story knows of Anakin's great potential. But you are sending you are sending a provisional junior cop to protect her. That's your security solution after there have been bombings and assassination. You know, the, 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 the ship was bombed at the beginning, and now there's bounty hunters using, you know, bugs. If you want to say, oh, they went for the... Why is there this logical inconsistency of, you know, Jango Fett hires the next one who then uses a droid that then uses bugs. Like, you want to say, oh, it's to be under the radar to be more effective. Now it's just like, "Hey, guy, who hasn't passed, you know, Jedi college yet? You're in charge of you're in charge of this. Like, come on, George, come on."
1: But to Camino, Matt, uh, I I think a great setting, the the rain, and and making that uh, a dominating characteristic of this ocean planet, um. We've got Ton Wee, and we've got the Prime Minister Lama Su here. Uh, And they never reached out, though they were beginning to think that a Jedi would not come to check out the 200,000 clones that are ready with a million more on the way that uh, Jedi Jedi Master Sifo-Dyas ordered but wait, killed almost 10 years ago after he orders an army?
0: Once again, we're kind of at this edge of, well, the magic of the story says, but also, like, it is such a large order. Surely they would have, surely the Kaminoans would have, like, emailed, you know, (laughs) like, like, admin at (laughs) jediacademy.edu like they would have reached out at some point just to be like hey Hey,
1: clones thanks for the wait what
0: yeah um and of course we know why it's because we need this moment now and we also can say while some things are heavy-handed like you know anakin you keep you keep metaphorically trying to look at me in the shower stop it's very uncomfortable you go okay whoa I understand what what you're saying here then there's also the the way in the background subtext of like you know things which are obvious to us now Palpatine and some apprentice had a hand in ordering this and they've been leading towards the climax of this film there's this army which is now um Taking the place of the Jedi as peacekeepers, and it's this massive, uh, you know, executive power increase and so forth. Like that's all interesting stuff. It's it's in the background. I think it's appropriately placed in the background. But is it so in the background here that it's not completely working? All I know is this, Pete. It's a really cool set, and I enjoy it. and uh, And we're about to meet Jango Fett for the first, but certainly not the last time.
1: Sifo Ds sounds so much like Sidious that it seemed believable that that was kind of lost in the sauce, miscommunication, um, everything like that. And I think it almost takes away that it's this unrelated, they've since fleshed out the character of sifo like so many things, that happen between this film and the next, that you know, yes, hindsight is twenty twenty, but that the Clone Wars occur almost entirely off screen, with the exception of the beginning and the end. Um, hey, hey, George, you left the most exciting parts out of the prequels. Um, but yeah, hey, let's let's head back to the love story, Matt sizzling there on Naboo to learn that Anakin doesn't like sand and this super aloof first kiss.
0: Pete, let's pause the kiss just for a moment. Question for you. Were we meant... At any point... I, I understand what you're saying. The story has been fleshed out since then in... in um. Other stories, not you know, non movie stories and so forth. In two thousand two, were we meant to think that Dooku was you know, they count Dooku, that's his name now, and he used to be Sifo-Dyas, and he's the one that no, placed the wasn't. order. We we weren't we weren't supposed to maybe
1: think that. I don't think so. I, I think again, Sifo-Dyas, Sidious, so close that you know, the the name game and everything like that. Plus the number of times, you know, you mentioned the the bust that's visible in the cut uh of the film and then that deleted scene where they go into it and how they lay out in a little bit, well, you know, Count Dooku can't be a murderer. It's not in his character.
0: Which again, I think
1: he was a Jedi he left the jedi order he can't be murdering people and placing uh clone orders and you know it it comes up in the um the the meeting with obi-wan and and jango fett you know M- master who you know i was recruited by a man named tyrannus you know count duku's sith name is darth tyrannus
0: the there are things like that you know that line of he could he could not hurt anyone he's a former Jedi I think there's lines you know lines like that play a little naive in the original presentation I'll again return to watching it with 2022 eyes I think that we've seen we've seen what happens when kind of culturally you say what those concerns that was like 1960s 1970s stuff We solved the racism issue. We solved the, uh, you know, kind of uh, female reproductive rights issue. That's all been dealt with. What do you mean? They couldn't possibly, like, all of that, I think, I think lines like, lines that show the naivete of these great um, beacons of peace in the Jedi and the naivete of them. And from a story sense, the fact that the Jedi are, complicit in not seeing the rot and the crumbling that's around them i think those are things that have weirdly aged better to a point where you go obi-wan you're right there if you just open your eyes a little bit more if you dig a little bit deeper you will realize that there is a conspiracy going on to pit factions against each other for the purposes of building power you know this is on the Jedi's watch that all of this happens. And I feel like there's this, you know, meta life lesson of like, let it not be on our watch that other mistakes like that get made. And I think that's part of George's recipe. And obviously, he's not speaking to our current situation. He's speaking. It, it It's almost the greatest of his writing in that he's looked back through history and said, these are patterns that continue to happen. And that's woven in there. I think it's to the, to, to the embeddement of the story that said, could we maybe have had more of that and then less of the silly or like, I I don't know. There are some, there are some great elements there and some have aged wonderfully.
1: The cutting back and forth to the clone inspection. Okay. There's growth acceleration. We get the necessary exposition while being shown that this going on, um, the stages of the different clones and setting up that the bounty hunter host Django asked for an unaltered clone uh, that will be introduced to in a little bit, um, you know, great use of music of the, uh, you know, clone theme of you know, the CGI to show this sprawling facility, you know, whether they're on learning machines when they're tykes or, you know, even the distant, you know, karate training. And then they get their first clone helmet. Yay. Uh, and then we cut back to a waterfall where um, Padme and Anakin. uh you know, he, he wants to make people agree and, you know, have dictatorship. And then he rides a tick.
0: My overwhelming memory of that scene was hearing either in the director's commentary, something on the DVD, director's commentary or the making of or whatever, how the production, obviously ultimately signed off by George, had chosen this Lush, verdant spot with the long grass and kind of you know obviously there's elements that are fake, but kind of like the the core of it, this just beautiful spot, but that there were there were whether it was bees or fly or whatever it was there was there was the bugs in the air as one would find you know you if you were to go to the park and sit in the long grass in the middle of a sunny day in summer and sit there for four hours while you're shooting a scene, like it was those kind of bugs. And how it was somebody's job at ILM when they finally had the scene cut together, or maybe even before, to just go through and frame by frame erase all the bees and all the flies and all the creatures, the insect creatures of flight, to just that was their job on Star Wars. Not the ships, not the lightsabers, not the droids. It was, you need to erase bugs so we can make this scene look perfect. Which. Don't get me wrong, Pete. I mean, look, that's a VFX job like any other VFX job. And maybe that was given to, for all I know in the 20 years since, maybe that was given to Joe or Jane Schmo, who's grown on to be, grown up to be or gone on to be, you know, the the best VFX supervisor who's out there. And you know, we all gotta start somewhere scrubbing the dishes or whatever it might be. But I just watch that scene and go, there's bugs everywhere, and somebody got their Star Wars shot erasing bees.
1: There are good uses of creatures here. The flying whale design, um, something that goes back to uh, original trilogy best pin uh, stuff that they repurpose it here um, to have that Boba uh, Obi-Wan meeting scene with all the tension that works Uh, Yet, strangely, I I think that uh, Tamora Morrison's um, ability to act isn't helped by the script. Um, And then back to Naboo, Matt, the best parts, where we have the recap about aggressive negotiations and floating fruit Obi-Wan getting grumpy.
0: Uh, yeah, the floating fruit effects are not great. The, 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 here is where, you know, again, like I was saying at the, towards the top of the podcast is what we're seeing on screen, a Hayden Christensen, Natalie Portman problem. Is it a George Lucas, Jonathan Hales screenplay screenplay problem? Is it a George Lucas directing problem? I mean, look, part of directing young actors is getting out of them. And I know these are not, you know, kid actors, but particularly for a less experienced actor, I mean, they're both probably 20 and under, Christensen and Natalie Portman, um, as they're filming this. Uh, Probably probably like 18, 19. I don't know. You might need to write to what they can do, not have them do what you can write. Um, Now, that said... Is somehow, are these scenes getting what George Lucas wanted? Which is, this is the bad boy that we all know. Fine, we know he becomes Darth Vader. But we all know, like, there's this simmering. Some of the things he's saying, like, you know, dictatorships can be good. Like, we're meant to be like, I don't know. But also, there's plenty of people, female to male, or any kind of combination where you go, this is not a good pairing, but they're so doe-eyed that they can't see it. Um, in this case, you know, we know he's not good for you, Padme, you need to maybe step out of here, but she's, she's into him again on the page. It all works. It just always doesn't come through. Um, and and again, I think unfairly people reach the conclusion, you know, well, it's the fault of Hayden Christensen who by and large left Hollywood, you know, after the, after these two films, uh, it's not the fault of Natalie Portman who was amazing as an 11 year old in um in uh that assassin movie by luke Besson and and went on to greater things like when, when again it's probably a george problem
1: do you script that they don't have chemistry when that emerges in episode three and it's done better then i i don't know the awkwardness of this fireside scene, Matt, where she's wearing a corset, and he's talking about being in agony— you know, the tormenting of his very soul, doing anything she'll ask—it it does not work. I can't imagine you would conceive it in such a way.
0: Um, this is why sometimes it's good when you're making a making a movie or a tv show um it's good to have creative input from um what are they called pete and hollywood uh women um because that might have been having a having a female co-writer or having a female executive producer um again i'm saying executive producer in a creative capacity not a kind of logistical like hey i got the construction timeline figured out having somebody to sit and go George, I know you want him to be bad boy and it's going to get a whole lot worse, but at what point does this strong independent lady check out of the situation? Uh, you know, because I'm not trying to paint George Lucas as sexist, you know, he's, I think this stuff played a little better in 2002 than it does now. And he is of a prior generation compared to, compared to us. Um, but there's just a some effect here of there's a some effect here of the gender, the gender stuff. The Padme stuff has aged least well out of this film.
1: When Anakin says, I wish that I could just wish away my feelings. I just remember watching this and like. Can I look anywhere else? <laughs> <laughs> um, right. That. They're gonna keep secrets. I get that, all right? We've set up. Jedi can't have attachment. You can't have a girlfriend. You can't get married. She's beginning to feel things for him. Um but yeah, it 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 just comes across so cringy. Um, and then back to Camino, where we get a little cringe there. Hey, r for let's call the old folks home on the hologram in the rain.
0: Pete, what are your concerns about this scene?
1: I just don't like the idea. Yeah, uh, Yoda's 875, nearly 900 years old at this point. Do we have to rip on Mace Windu's age? Do we have to call all the Jedi old folks you know, mid-grade Obi-Wan shaming them there and then Mace and Yoda talking about their ability to use the forces diminished with the the masking uh, that this um, Sith Lord, whomever he could be, is uh, you know, preventing them from seeing. Uh,
0: Pete, can we talk? Are we ready to talk about uh, Anakin's dreams of his
1: mother. Because yeah. he, because word choice is constantly an issue. Here. <laughs> you had another dream.
0: Well, th- there's that. And there's also. Th- if they didn't want to return to mom, then you could just say, okay, I get it from the first film. There was a, there was the certain degree of, um, you know boarding school adoption monastic life into the jedi order fine it's kind of to ask these young jedi children okay forgo family attachment i think we can all agree that's a pretty you know lousy thing to ask of a kid but i can understand it in the world of star wars i can understand it as as a as a thing um to then be like, oh, he still feels all this love and concern for his mother and he's getting all these dreams, but, you know, in the 10 years he's never reached out or anything like that, it it makes me wonder, you know, is there an argument to be made, and, and again, maybe this, is, oh, well, let me finish the first thought, is there an argument to be made that perhaps Phantom Menace should have had, should have had Hayden Christensen playing, perhaps not the Eight-year-old Anakin, but to sit and go, Hayden Christensen, um, I'm assuming, Pete, we would have cast him in Phantom Menace for this revised situation that I'm imagining here, you know, or or whomever. To get an actor who's 16 but can play 13 in the first movie and then is, when you do the next movie, is 19 playing 19 Um, and then maybe close up that 10 years to, like, it's been... Three years, and I would have gone back, Padme. But if not for the ruining of the space route, or you—you know, you come up with something. If not for the the comet that prevented, you know, that you could come up with a science fiction hand wavy thing to be like that's why he didn't. That's why he cares for mom, but didn't go back after mom, or or or, or all of that. Oh, but he follows the rules. Yeah, except for you know, um, wooing and more with Padme. Um, Again, maybe all of this, Pete, is what happens when you write the first movie in the same yellow binder that you wrote A New Hope in, but then you only have that and you only really start to think about episode two after you've made episode one and heard people's feedback and now incorporating that in. I guess, Pete, at the end of the day, I'm arguing for if you want to do a trilogy, let's Have a strong outline for a trilogy where you can swap some things in and out, but let's have a beginning, middle, and
1: end to that whole shape. I don't think you have to do that. I I think you can write movie to movie and pick up on things, improve things. They get criticized, uh, you know, maybe pan for some things, you know, that are going to be popular, um, that you'd have that in your hand there. Um, I, I think there's an alternate universe where there's a better episode too. And I think it has largely to do with leaving mom back on Tatooine as a slave. The Jedi are protectors of good. Why would they allow this to go on and not go back? Yeah, Qui-Gon has died, but Obi-Wan could report back. Yeah, we have this going on on this outer rim planet. We should free these people. I think there's a more exciting adventure there than what we wind up with here. Yes, I like what we do with Boba uh, Fett's ship here uh, out in the rain. Um, you know, you've taken it. You've uh, given it the different colors to match. Django. Um, but again the the promise only goes so far. You, you give us that popular ship that we saw in uh, Empire Strikes back, okay, real menacing, and you're gonna have this fight in the rain, lightsaber,, uh, you know versus blaster and you know, bounty hunter tools. But you have a lightsaber versus raindrops and you don't take advantage with Ben Burt to make a sound effect for that, to have smoke sizzle off the laser sword. Um, Yeah, but you'll remember to have Django bump his head like a stormtrooper that he's the template for in A New Hope.
0: Pete George has his priorities there, we could certainly say. Um, I think regardless of regardless of my pitch for a slightly different um phantom menace that's closer to this closer to the timeline of this film i think that particularly with three years in our in our theatrical existence here three years between the prior film and this to return to shmi to find out that she has uh that she was Sold to Kleeg Lars, so like, who then freed her? But it's kind of this like, wait, that's probably Uncle Owen's dad. Or as you're watching it, your first time, that's Uncle Owen's dad who bought a slave. Okay, but the good news is he freed her, so I guess that makes it okay. Um, But now she's been abducted by Tuscan Raiders. Um, This as a this as a story segment, which is going to give us a tipping point a path of no return though. Not, you know, most characters don't know it. We can know this is now a point of no return for, uh, Anakin as he goes, rescues her barely alive. She dies. And then Pete, he kills. Let's see. Let me check my notes. Kills just all the men. <laughs> Go on,
1: Pete, give us the lion, not just the men, but the women and the children too. And the psycho music um yeah it it's just such a mixed bag that's where you know i i have these issues with it you bring Watto back he's got the droid hat the beard the the flies uh he sold mom years ago to a moisture farm i heard that they married oh okay um in between you, you cut in Obi-Wan catching up with Django and Boba. You got the hyperspace ring on the um on the Jedi ships, kind of cool that he leaves there, okay, because you know the Geonosians wouldn't pick up on that being up there at all, uh, and be ready for him. Um the seismic Charge guitar chord effect top shelf Ben Burt stuff. Okay. Um I think in the prequels, the, the prequels are a testament to George Lucas going too far. That is the thesis of these three films. Um, you can't leave well enough alone. He did it with the special editions. We've we've got to show that Darth Vader took a shuttle from Best Pen to uh, you know his ship, because we can't just infer that. How'd he get up there? Well, we know he didn't beam up because that technology doesn't exist in this universe, okay? We need to show that he did it because that's such a dramatic thing to show. Um, to have uh, Django and Boba, all right, here comes Obi-Wan. Ah, we'll go into the asteroid build, and we'll have a few surprises waiting for him. Heh, heh, heh. Says Boba, and then get him, Dad! Fire! It it just takes away from the tension that a scene like this could have, you know, for ultimately Obi Wan to get down to the surface, see these Trade Federation balls hanging out there that apparently you couldn't see from orbit or detect and then as you said let let's cut from that let's go back to the lars homestead and have dirty cgi 3po the maker um and this owen lars and his girlfriend Baru, (laughs) uh cleg lars hover chair breakfast nook exposition
0: the one line I will never defend. It was my eye rolling moment all the way back to two thousand two. Like, fine.
1: I, your mother's dead accept it.
0: No, it's like I understand that we are uh, to to some degree, again, watching this first time, let's say, I understand that to some degree we're setting up, you know, an endpoint Luke raised on um Tatooine and things of that sort, and so there's a family connection there, and we're dealing now with Anakin, Luke's father. So, but we're kind of backtracking some stuff there. Um, fine. You want Kli Lars to have had story intersection with Shmi? Fine. That's how we're. That's how we're. We're making the connection there. Fine. You want to establish Kli's son Owen? Fine. I'm Owen, and this is my girlfriend Baru. Because like. Yeah. Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, I mean, look, iconic for what they are, but, like, inseparable in the story. You just can't sit and go. Particularly, Pete, knowing that there's this movie, right, and George knows there's another movie, you want to then be like, I'm Owen. Oh, it's Uncle Owen. Then the next movie be like, look, here's my girlfriend, Beru. Like, that's progression versus like, oh, we need to check some boxes now. Like, it's, I just remember at the time. I, I would even argue, Pete, like, is girlfriend a star Wars word? Like, I guess it is, but I feel like that or like, yeah, dad, get him. Like there's a, there's a, I mean, these are not slang words or phrases, but there's a, there's a casualness, which is much different than, you know, um, you know, general Kenobi many years ago, you served my father in the clone wars. Like there's a, there, there's a, there's a, a Britishiness that is part of the star Wars, dialogue even star wars dialogue that george has written and we kind of undercut that with get him dad and here's my girlfriend Baru."
1: yeah so to have anakin go finally go chase after his mom you get the darth vader shadow before he hops on the uh speeder bike there as he's uh hugging padme um and then there's a transition to Geonosis after he's gone out into the Tatooine waste that it's unclear which planet you're on. Cause it's essentially the same landscape.
0: Uh, you know, I never quite thought of it like that, but um, certainly you're certainly you're right. Um, it's around this point when we finally get, I believe Pete, this is the first time that we're seeing Count Dooku on screen, the iconic yes. Christopher Lee. In the um,
1: Bond Council spy scene,
0: <laughs> yeah, with uh, which is a interesting, but there's the I'm Pete. I'm sure that you will know the character names. There's robot voice guy who we need Bot to establish. Campbell. Yeah, we, we need to establish establish that it's a robot voice or a voice in you know, whatever. Because you know. oh, all of a sudden, no, I must reach to, and it's just kind of like one of these moments where it's like. I don't know I don't know how Phantom Menace action figures sold relative to expectations and so forth but this particular moment here in Attack of the Clones with Robot Voice Guy is very clearly like the hey take a look at this brand new action figure guy it's either that I I don't know it, it's 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 not a subtle moment
1: there are things here Again, just such a mixed bag. And even going forward into the sequels, that the stuff's picked up upon. That Anakin, in the grief of his mother's death, that obviously becomes a seminal moment for him, he will even learn to stop people from dying. So he's going to have healing powers, Matt, like supposed Mary Sue Ray ultimately has like so wait wait idiots who uh criticize the sequels your much beloved prequels because that's almost always a thing the people that hate the sequels love the prequels so maybe it just speaks to taste i don't know uh but it's said here that anakin was going to learn to do this and ultimately that becomes a big through line into revenge of the sith
0: I'm also wondering, too, like, for all of Christensen's strengths and fine weaknesses, for all of his strengths, like, are some of these lines better conceived for a character who's a little younger? Um, and I understand, like, even just, like, basic labor stuff. Like, you need somebody who's an adult age, probably, to be able to, you know, shoot long days as opposed to, I don't know what it, what the rules are in Australia where they filmed this, but, you know... Here's my point. Pete. There's a naivete here that maybe is better suited for a character that is, you know, 12, 13, 14, not however old Anakin is supposed to be here, you know, regards the actor's age, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of, let's say, you know, a, a headstrong 20 year old versus like, versus some of the impulsivity that maybe would have been suited for, for a, for a younger character. But
1: we're going to have this mass murderer romance in the room where Luke cleaned the droids. It's like George
0: says, it's the poetry and such. (laughs) Um, I think Christensen's performance in this scene is good. uh, Is good? Question mark. I meant to say it more firmly. And then somehow I was holding back.
1: You almost I, believed it i
0: I think that we see the we see a lot of acting going on and a lot of character honesty and raw emotions if the here how about this Pete? If this was the audition scene, I know why Christensen got it, even if there is still a little of kind of the like voice breaking so angry, so many emotions aspect to it that look if it's grading. Gee whiz, Pete, if only there was somebody there to say, let's cut. Let's have a discussion. Let's do it again with a little bit more kind of like simmering masculine energy as opposed to, teenage boy, I'm so, these feelings, and then you want to go to the dance, Padme? Like, again, this is, it's George who shot this. It's George who oversaw the editing. I think Christensen is doing a fine job here. I just don't know that it's the job that was... I don't know that he was... I don't know that we, that we have the best version of this scene here, even though I think we have some great stuff coming from Hayden Christensen.
1: To do a better job here, to have Jar Jar, you know, essentially set up by Palpatine. Hmm, If if only someone would give me emergency powers in the scene after the dooku obi-wan scene uh in a couple minutes here but then you have the the darth sidious disclosure from dooku to obi-wan why would they even have this conversation
0: because george needed an expositional transfer of knowledge because other movies have had the bad guy, you know. Because in Goldfinger, Goldfinger does a whole presentation to tell the mafiosos, and he doesn't know Bond is watching, but to tell Bond and the audience what to expect from the forthcoming attack scene. It's the villain monologue. But in Goldfinger, it's not a monologue to the hero because they don't know that he's here. So that's written better than this, which is just, you know, Pete, frankly, on a certain level, it reminds me of the aforementioned deleted scene with the librarian where it's like, hey, we need to get from A to B. So we're going to have a scene that says A to B. And look, now we have transferred the info. Now we can act on it versus just a slightly more nuanced way to do it.
1: This is the laziest of the nine movies in terms of the thing that Star Wars does for me the best, which is its use of soundtrack. The conception that these could be silent movies and you would still get the emotional resonance. Um, in the droid factory, the machines making machines here, Matt, the abomination. Um we use Yoda's theme when he's not there. <laughs> in a, in an action cue, uh, we use the same music from the Coruscant chase in the Droid Factory. It it's identical. It's it's not a um, you know. Hey, we have this theme that we used before. No, they they just repeat it, um, and then that nonsense that chase with the the false tension of well padme might become a uh magma uh sculpture and and be in the droid factory in in the foundry there to hey remember when we were by the fire and i'm like no we need to be adults so she's not afraid to die in this arena they're about to go in. We know she's not going to die, okay? But she's been dying every day since Anakin came came back into her life, and now she truly, deeply loves him because they got lost in a droid factory and caught.
0: Again, I mean, ultimately this is a dialogue issue this is a script issue because as you're saying pete we don't have any real evidence of you know and then they were in love we have the cool enough droid factory set piece although one really senses particularly on the uh on the the <laughs> smashy sparky belts like one really senses that it was like natalie take five steps now jump now duck like there was not and again maybe maybe this is because of how old this movie is if i may say so that there just wasn't that full understanding of like there needs to be a physical space that these actors can um interact with and even if it's just blue screen (laughs) blue screen guy with a fishing rod to be symbolizing the spark arm or whatever it is like you just can't have somebody in a blue screen jumping around the entire time um I don't know but yes as you mentioned Pete now 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 they are in love and we're close to a scene I've referenced before a scene that you know at, at 22 I appreciated but I also was like George what you doing where all of a sudden her in a white jumpsuit isn't enough now all of a sudden oh no part of her clothes are ripped off I guess it's her yeah. midsection but like Again, there's kind of this moment where you go,
1: eh, George, eh? Exposing Natalie Portman's midriff here. I I don't know that in retrospect, the smartest move um, that Padme uh, puts a lock pick in her mouth to open, you know, no one in this massive col- coliseum is aware of this. <laughs> And then Mace and the Jedi show up and this party's over.
0: Um, I think that fight scene is quite good. Uh, Both the lightsaber battle and all the lightsabers suddenly lighting and so forth. The the tension of it as Jedi are mowed down. Again, the visuals of, look, there's less lightsabers and so forth. I think that's great. The... um, then the the army is here to save the day and the drop ships and good guy ships versus bad guy ships and so forth. I think it's a I think it's a fun battle. I think it's held up. I do remember George if on only,
1: the Matt to to further accentuate this big battle that kicks off the clone wars. Okay. We had um Hollywood Hall of Famer John Williams to punctuate it with new music, right? Um, I think
0: you're about to tell me it's not new music.
1: This is episode one music that they use throughout this scene. I'm watching this in a theater. I'm like, oh, why do we have the same music from when Padme's? big silver ship was escaping while wow, we have this this big set piece why why would you do this it smacks to me that you know he wasn't entirely sure of how to do this sequence and then the music which was always first and foremost in lucas's mind when he wrote he he writes to operatic music uh became an afterthought and I just think it, it's among the biggest sins in a film in which there are many, uh, you know, apart from Obi-Wan aggressively killing this Ackley beast being like the least Jedi thing ever. Um. Eh,
0: I don't know if I completely agree with that, but
1: oh, I'm going to do a flourish of my saber as I plunge it into his gut here after I've chopped off his legs.
0: <laughs> well, that's a little less uh, easy to argue against. Um, I don't know. I, I know this, Pete. Ultimately, the story makes its way uh, from, and Marvel, take note here. Yes, we go from a big CG battle of You know, uh, things we don't care about being killed and extras that we don't care about being killed. We kind of boil it down to um, Obi-Wan and Anakin chasing after Dooku. I think that is a very solid lightsaber duel. Um, I'm not overly aware of the digital double, digital face replacement kind of stuff going on for Christopher Lee. Maybe that's with an eye towards like we know how old he was in real life. So if you, all of a sudden you show me, you know, an imperfect face replacement or, you know, some other tricks like, you know, back to the camera because it's a stunt person. Like, I think, I think we as an audience are inclined to be forgiving there. I don't know if you want to spend more time talking about that or head into the, head into the Yoda fight that I feel like never feel like it was like, yes, finally Yoda. And I feel like it never fully, it never fully hit what I wanted on screen. Maybe that's because of the digital double aspect of it. Maybe that's because of the, like maybe Yoda ultimately is not a great character to have in a lightsaber battle because he's small and people are people sized. But your thoughts there, Pete, on the double the double duels,
1: the audacious, audacious third act of this film. Okay just never hits correctly. Um, What becomes a rescue turns into a chase as CG armies we don't care about, clones and droids fight it out, Um, that Anakin and Obi-Wan are chasing after Dooku, that Padme is there, she falls out, okay? But before that even, uh, oh, hey, we should do this, master. Good call, my young Padawan. Who writes this? To to see the Republic war machine uh, unfurling all these assets that previously they didn't have Yes, you check a box that the Death Star plans there uh, in Dooku's hands uh, that Poggle the Lesser, that the leader of the Geonosians. um, They ultimately have a hand in constructing the Death Star, something we're still moving towards as Andor season one wrapped up. Uh, And Dooku's got the cool curved lightsaber and all that. Um, The Yoda stuff for me is among the best. I I think there's just some ridiculous digital assists to the duel on the stunt double side that isn't a little green frog guy. Um, And then the glow stick fight close-ups in which Anakin's padawan braid changes sides oh does it it does go back and look (laughs) because they want to try to you know match eye line and do that and yeah it it changes (laughs) sides of his head um for yoda to arrive and to display these powers of you know the force of swordsmanship referenced earlier wait You'd match Yoda as the greatest of the Jedi swordsmen we've We've never even seen him ignite a lightsaber. That had full meaning for me. You know the the thing about both Yoda and uh, Palpatine on opposite sides, potentially as the most powerful as the head of their respective sides light and the dark um almost that picking up a sword was beneath them i think when yoda and ultimately how the theater erupted when he comes in and pulls his robe to the side after these two brash young jedi get you know pushed aside um really resonated and i think it works in a way than when you go to the next film and it it seems beneath the emperor to wield a lightsaber i think it's less effective there and you go back to the well on it then well
0: going back to the well for the first time is as you mentioned uh pete we have kind of the the first view of the death star plans on geonosis which i feel like um i feel like on first viewing was kind of could could have been a blink and you miss it moment um of course we have dooku ultimately escaping and delivering the plans to sidious and so forth um i say go back to the well just because so this movie ends up being a prequel to the death star in that you know, the droid factory and these factions and so forth are getting ready to build it. And then we're going to end the next movie with it under construction. um, Leading into the original trilogy. Okay, fine. Which two out of the three have death stars. And then we're going to go to the sequel trilogy that, you know, is returning to death star type things. Um, Again, it's not the fault of this movie that it's the first one outside your return of the jedi and the the new death star 2 um that's returning to the well it's just i guess here's what i'm trying to say if i can, can i send a message back through time hey folks we don't always need to be going back to the death star for everything uh <laughs> however we did it effectively in andor and we're presumably going to do it more in season two of andor so uh, i don't know pete maybe there are no rules
1: if you do it right it works if you don't it's noticeable um I thought the the Yoda duel was the, the best thing about this movie. Um, they were able to keep it quiet until so close to before the, the film premiering. Um, and again, the theater just exploded. We had never seen Yoda do that. Um, it's such a departure. It's a line in the sand, even for him. And it works. Uh, what doesn't work as much in uh, Star Wars, it doesn't seem like Star Wars, is that Count Dooku's got a solar ship. Um, and then to follow up after that, you know that the film ends on a, a downer. It's the middle act. We get it. It's it, Empire Strikes Back. It is not, however, um, with some hope in there. Uh, why would Dooku tell Obi Wan that Sidious controlled the Senate?
0: Yeah, I mean there, there's there's a clunkiness there I can't get around. Um, I do I do like the ending of this. I like the Clone Wars, you know, begun the Clone Wars have and all of that because um, clearly the arc of these three films is from Republic to Empire. And this is kind of like, if you forgot that in the first film, and that's on a slam against the first film, um, which is <laughs> establishing what was, then this is the movie of transition and further transition. But, you know, if you thought the star Wars universe for these films was going to be all pod racing or space fighting, this is pod racing, or kind of some of those more kind of positive energy type moments, the ending here of, we can we can all agree on the need for this clone army but yoda's concerned and we're all concerned and yes it's this further slip into uh empire and the the removal of you know a representative democracy step by step and so forth i think that's effective um and i i don't know that i dislike the the wedding ceremony either
1: there's certainly evocative imperial imagery and the music here the imperial march to have all these weapons of war going off okay now it's really on smith's smashing his his fist there on the balcony and and disappointment It, it doesn't have to be this way uh and then back to uh, Lake Como in Italy. There for the the secret wedding. All right, you you did it. But I I, I look back at Attack of the Clones. It is a casserole of confusion, um, and for me a, a missed opportunity. It is the Star Wars Avengers Age of Ultron. You know, things come from it that we can use, but on its own it it doth not stand well.
0: Well, in terms of box office, it was the first Star Wars movie to not be number one for mm-hmm. its year. Um yep. and also, beat it uh I don't have the list in front of me. I think I think it was you I, know I think Harry Potter, means. right? What's that? Harry Potter? No. What did beat it?
1: Spider-Man.
0: Well, and it's funny because here you are on the heels of, um, you know, this is the Age of Ultron of the series. Something that Marvel has going for it is, you know, when you're doing two or three movies a year, uh, let alone the TV stuff, we'll just pause the TV stuff for a second. You're kind of in a position where you can have a miss and it's not going to necessarily or perceived miss or whatever it might be you you could have something that's not the best for example oh, age of ultron not the best avengers film okay fine you still have the next marvel movie to come out and the one after that and the one after that so it's kind of this very old school you know 30s 40s 50s hollywood kind of thing of like well when there's a bomb the actors already made the director everybody's already made their next two movies in the time it took for this movie to come out so on to the next thing on to the next thing versus this is what we got for star wars for the next three years. And if there's a little bit of a deflating. Of the balloon there. um That is what that is. And that's what we had to sit with. For the next three
1: years. Yeah. For better for worse. But I think. That it deflated. The prequels. And really set. Revenge of the Sith. Up as a belated. Apology a- attempt to get better. It's clearly the best of the prequels, um, and even then, there are issues with it. Um, but you know, I'd I'd put that I'd put Episode One ahead of uh, Attack of the Clones. Matt, I I might. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I might put the Star Wars Holiday Special ahead of Attack the Clones. Uh,
0: I will vehemently disagree with that. This movie movie is not torture to the eyes, to the ears, and to the soul.
1: There are rough moments. Can I get Matt on the record here? Is it the worst Star Wars film to date?
0: You know what? I have seen, as I said before, I've seen Attack of the Clones more than Return of the Jedi, more than uh, Phantom Menace, more than Revenge of the Sith. I may have seen Attack of the Clones more times than Empire and New Hope. Why? Why? (laughs) Just because of when it came out, the DVD, the behind the scenes, all that stuff. Um, The movie I've seen probably the least is Revenge of the Sith. So I would like to withhold judgment until next week's um discussion because i wanna i've seen all the other movies to my heart's content i've seen revenge of the sith the least um i I will be in a better position to to rank these films um in next week's discussion after i've really sat down and watched revenge of the sith from beginning to end with 2022 eyes Pete, indeed, looking ahead to Revenge of the Sith, we will be podcasting that uh, next Saturday, December 17th. So if people have any thoughts there, uh, particularly email thoughts, they could be in touch um, and certainly be be a part of the discussion here as we as we look ahead to wrapping the prequel trilogy.
1: Yes, definitely looking forward to talking about that best prequel more than this one. Uh, so get us your thoughts uh and considering too Matt at the end of the year here all this made possible for you and possibly helped by contributing to patreon.com slash fantastic geek
0: some little little blue milk little cups of blue milk coming to uh our patreon as we make our way through these star wars films um but most importantly, our big thanks to those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic Could not do it without you. We are so proud to be listener supported, uh, particularly with uh, those storage and bandwidth bills making their way to us uh, in the very near future.
1: Yeah, as we approach uh, levels we've been at before. Um, could not do it without you, so thank you for helping us to fund this. Uh, can't contribute right now. Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating in seconds, a review in just a little while longer to any of our 32, soon to be 33 podcast feeds. Once Matt shows me his secret invasion album art.
0: Pete will certainly keep the entire pop culture conversation going. Uh, Obviously, the focus in these next bunch of weeks on Star Wars, but Star Trek, Marvel, and so forth. How can people be in touch with you on Twitter?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E T-E-R J K L R K E T E L A A R 12,619 followers. Can't be wrong. I'm back, Matt.
0: Uh, and while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do me touch with the podcast, comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are FantasticGeek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more.
1: Facebook.com slash FantasticGeek with the PH, all one word, like it today.
0: Pete, this time next week, we will be talking Star Wars Episode 3 Revenge of the Sith. Uh, very much looking forward to that discussion, to that reflection, and so forth. Uh, Farther off in the future, we'll be doing a little preview of Secret Invasion, talking about the Mandalorian Season 3 trailer and so forth. And of course, in the new year, the original Star Wars trilogy coming to our feeds. With that, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you, Pete, the final word.
1: I hate sand.